This podcast is for those making bold moves to reverse global warming. We are the Determined Ones, solving humanity's gnarliest challenges. It's a podcast on climate action, the determined mindset, and how standing out helps you make a meaningful impact. Hey, what's up, everyone? I'm Mark. I'm Sarah. And we're here today with our guests, our, our friend Jim Giles. Jim, we'd love to have you introduce yourself. Yeah, thanks for having me on. So uh, my name is Jim Giles. I am a journalist and a media entrepreneur. I've been a reporter and an editor. Uh, I've run a couple of startups. Uh, and climate change has been an interest of mine throughout my career, both as a, as a reporter and an editor, but more recently... Um, I've been kind of thinking about where the gaps are in our media response to climate change and what kind of content or what kind of operations we could we need to, to help media address that problem. Awesome. Good stuff. So, yeah, we wanted to have Jim on the podcast to kind of pick his brain on kind of the communications and the messaging around climate change. Um, we're seeing a number of articles talking about the need to reevaluate how we talk about climate, the words we use, you know, the messaging, things like that. So, Jim, uh, maybe you can answer the question, have you found the language shifting in your work writing about climate change? Definitely found it shifting, and it's long overdue, so I'm really excited to see that things are moving. I think, like, just to take a step back, it's a bit more than the language. I think you could look at the whole media's response to climate change and be right. quite critical about it. Not to say that there isn't wonderful work going on out there, and there has been for decades, but... Um, the media historically has had this big problem around addressing climate change and there's actually sort of multiple facets to that problem. But one that's relevant to this conversation, I think, is this idea of balance and, and a problem with a kind of false balance that the media injected into stories about climate change. Mm. So, you know, if you if you rewind right to the beginning of the, of the climate change debate, which is decades ago now, there, there was much there were many more question marks around the validity of the science and the validity of the projections. Mm. And of course the science got better the early projections stood up the models got better we got more data right. the consensus narrowed and it really narrowed some time ago you know well over a decade ago probably two decades ago and um, the consensus began to narrow down and yet the media felt the need to bring in dissenting voices pretty much any time they talked about climate change and that was appropriate at the beginning it stopped being appropriate some time ago and yet this practice continued and it's only very recently it's only in the last couple of years that actually some big media organizations said enough like it was very recently i think the bbc for example from the top of the bbc came this like edict like stop it you don't need to pull in some right-wing dissenting voice right. to say that climate change isn't happening. Yeah. It's happening. It's real. You know, we don't need to have a flat earther come on to debate points about the validity of, you know, the fact that the earth's a sphere. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> so this is, this is sort of crazy that it took so long. Right. But it did. And I think the language issue is related to that because of this kind of caution around needing to balance the idea of this was whether this is actually happening we have an associated caution around talking about the magnitude of the problem you know and so for a long time we've used words like climate change and global warming that feel very neutral and, and, and as people have pointed out actually quite nice you know global warming sounds really quite pleasant right. doesn't it just a, just a little bit warmer you know i'm from the uk i'd love it if it were a little bit just a little bit warmer in the uk how nice um 
And that's, you know, that's why, you know, that problem, I was so excited to see The Guardian really come out and address that yeah, head on, right. I believe, I think it was just like about six weeks ago or something, weeks, yeah. three weeks, maybe less than that, you know, really come out and said, these words don't describe the challenge we face. Mm-hmm. You know, we're going to talk about things like the climate crisis, you know, and they're not, you know, they, they, it's not like they came up with that term, you know, other people have been advocating for the use of that term for some time. Um, the Guardian's decision to actually bake that term into their style guide was, was certainly the one that caught my attention. I'm sure other media organizations have made similar steps. But I think that's brilliant, and I, I don't really see an argument against not talking about it that way. The scientific consensus is clear. These are the accu- these are the terms that accurately describe the challenge we're facing. And I think if we start to adopt that language, it will it will leave people with a with a more accurate impression of, of what's actually going on. Yes, yeah, it's, it's it was interesting. I saw the same thing about the Guardian kind of putting their foot down, saying no more, you know, no more of this back and forth. Like this is happening. Like having, like you said, these conversations between the scientists and these deniers—it's not progress. Nothing happens. It's just—it's just, it's just uh, sensationalism. It's just ratings on TV. Um, there's another article that came out around the same time. Um, Grist featured it, uh, saying that there's this. Uh, I'm reading this right now. Spark Neuro. Did you see that one on Grist? They did this experiment where they brought in uh, 120 people divided evenly among Republicans, Democrats, and Independents, and they set them up with, you know, sensors and things on their brains. Um, and then they showed them phrases around, you know, this topic. And climate change and global warming performed, quote-unquote, the worst of all terms of emotional engagement and audience attention. I think- yeah, I mean, yeah, that's a really interesting study there. Um, and I think, you know, this is the sort of thing that, like, in our world, we kind of read and we go, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. But if you're in branding or marketing, you would be, like, rolling your eyes and going kind exactly. of like, duh, you know, well, obviously, you know, if you take a neutral phrase, phrase and you repeat it regularly, mm-hmm. then people just start to tune out. You know, they don't pay attention anymore. And, you know, if you're trying to, I, th- I think it's in that same article, they talk about this whole idea of rebranding issues mm-hmm. in a way, as a way of moving them higher up sort of public agenda. And the example I think they give is the estate tax, which is oh, tax that's been in place for a long time and was really uncontroversial and quite boring. Republicans wanted to get rid of it. They couldn't get any attention for this. So they started to call it a death tax. And, you know, suddenly people Jeez. are paying attention. <laughs> you know, death is a great example of a highly emotive word. It reminds me of uh, Sarah Palin and the, um, the death panels. You know, it's a, if you remember the debate um, about the healthcare, um, healthcare reform and this, and, and you know, it, it doesn't really matter whether her description was accurate. It wasn't. Um, it's a very emotive word. It, it, it sort of, it grabs your attention and gets you out of whatever you're thinking about. And so I think there is, you know, the, although I would advocate for moving to climate crisis over climate change because it's scientifically accurate, it does have the side benefit of being a word that, in being a phrase that gets people's attention, you know, as it should, given the magnitude of the, the challenge. 
until we use it so much that it no longer resonates and we have to come up with something else. I think that will be an ongoing challenge, you know, yes. like all, all of this work is a combination of wanting to stay true to the science and wanting to use like all our creative storytelling and branding and marketing skills um, to continue to get people engaged in that challenge, you know, and it's, it's always, you know, you're always sort of trying to juggle the two. And, I, you know, I think like you know, it's a sort of non-negotiable in terms of the science. You have to accurately represent the science, otherwise mm. you're not doing your job. Um, but there is a creative element to how you how you convey that as well. Yeah, exactly. Well said. So, Jim, I'm wondering if you can uh, give some advice or some some things to think about uh, to these climate startups that are kind of being formed right now, being developed because they're coming up with you know new technologies, new approaches. Uh, you know, as the determined, we we help a lot of these organizations with their messaging and we shifted to climate um, about a year into the studio because we were surrounded by scientists and researchers and they were leading with facts and data and numbers and not that that's not important but uh, not engaging emotionally yeah so maybe you can give um, our audience some some advice some tips on what they need to think about when maybe putting up their landing page on their website or maybe uh, a pitch deck or you know just some some ideas of what to, to consider yeah thank you I mean I'm really happy to you know, I'm so excited to see the kind of groundswell of, of interest in this area. Um, I think what we're seeing is a shift in uh, public sort of perception of, of the climate crisis um, away from a feeling of kind of hopelessness towards a feeling of um, in the best case, opportunity, mm, but, but yeah. you know, even if it's not like the opportunity for a better future, it is at least a feeling of hope that we can do something to avert the worst consequences of climate change. Mm. And I think that, you know, if I was involved in a, in a, a, a startup working in carbon removal or some other aspect of climate change, I would definitely be wanting to tap into that. You can see it's a big part of the, um, the you know millennial response to climate change but also groups like sunrise you know it's not in i feel with those demographics you're not really seeing a ton of interest in debating the science mm. you're seeing much more of a demand mm. for solutions you know an insistence yeah. that we must do something about it right now and a desire to be excited about those solutions, you know, and to be able to act on them. So, I, you know, I kind of, I'm always thinking like, well, how do you use language that captures that? So one example that I've come up against recently is, so I'm involved in um, a conference called Verge, which takes place in Oakland on, on October. And I'm programming, it's, it's a large conference and I'm programming out one bit of the conference, which is focusing on the emerging carbon economy. And um, there are a handful of products that we're thinking about featuring, which, um, Actually, in the, if you do a full life cycle analysis of these products, you find that they draw down and store more carbon than they emit. Mm. So it's a really, really exciting idea. And there's, there are, you know, certainly less than 10 of these products I've ever come across. So it's a completely new idea. Yeah. Um, but it's a very exciting idea. And you can imagine that being branded. You can imagine going into really, you know, it could be a grocery store, it could be any store, and some of the products in there will have this branding that says, like, you know, this this actually, like, pulls down, you know, if you buy this, you're helping remove carbon dioxide from the atmosphere. So that's really exciting. Um, now, if you asked an engineer what they would call it, they would probably say carbon negative, uh, which is, like, an interesting question. So you've got two words there. Uh, neither of which are anything, like, sexy. You know, <laughs> you've, got, you've got carbon, which is... Again, like this sort of 
I just want to go to sleep. And then you've got, <laughs> you've got negative. It's obviously like just not a good word. Right. So, uh, you know, some people advocate for calling it like carbon positive. That's then pretty confusing, you know, at least from a scientific <laughs> point of view. It's like the opposite of what we're trying to achieve. There is, there's a, uh, an organization in, in, there's a burger chain actually in Sweden called Max Burger. Mm-hmm. And they, as a company, have a goal to be, uh, carbon negative. So they have kind of grappled with this problem. And the, the terminology they use is climate positive, mm. which I, I really like because I think climate is a more evocative word than, than carbon for sure. Mm. You know, it does reflect the thing that we actually care about, even if it's like a, a very overused word. Mm-hmm. Um, and being positive about the climate just feels like a nice way of sort of summing up what we're all trying to do. Um, and it's very succinct and I can imagine it being, you know, part of quite a cool branding campaign. So th- th- this is very nascent. There isn't like, there isn't like a company out there, like really advocating for a climate positive certification, you know, yeah. but I think there probably should be, you know, I'm really excited in the potential of that. And I, yeah, I just think it's a good example of a way of sort of capturing this idea of, of opportunity, you know, and, and empowerment. You know, it's like, here's something you can do. You can go and buy climate positive products. Yeah, great. That's amazing. In your intro, you said that you were focusing now on covering some of the gaps that exist in climate coverage. Is that kind of what you're talking about, is covering some of the new technologies and opportunities? I think definitely solutions-focused journalism around climate change is something we need more of. You know, there's actually, although people tend to kind of say, I think it's a common kind of lament that there isn't enough good information in the world. If only we had better coverage of climate change and everyone would understand what's happening. I don't think that's true at all. Mm-hmm. If you go and look out there, there's like, there are many fantastic reporters and editors and publications who are focused on climate change. Yeah. Um, there's particularly on the science side of things. So that is very well taken care of. Our, our problem, there's a problem that, that that information is not getting across, but that's, that's kind of a different conversation. It's not like more content is needed. Mm-hmm. If you look at the the kind of solutions focused stuff, the stuff that would empower people um, and allow them to sort of shift away from feeling, God, this is hopeless towards this is something I can go do this afternoon. Mm-hmm. There's actually not much of that, you know, mm-hmm. and um, there's a few organizations, you know, that I'm, I'm working with that we're, we're trying to kind of figure out like what, you know, what might more content in this area look like, you know, what's the revenue model, who do we need to get it to, those kind of questions. Mm-hmm. I see a big gap there, and I'm also just talking to journalists, I see an awareness of this gap, so I would expect to see a lot more activity in that area over the next few years. Great, great. Yeah, and and maybe we can end on this. You mentioned this uh, just a few minutes ago. Um, You know, Sarah and I, we've been, you know, working with climate organizations for a good while now, and personally, uh, my outlook on what we're dealing with, our climate crisis, <laughs> um, my outlook has has changed. I'm I'm more hopeful. I'm more um, I'm looking at things in a more positive way. Um, our our friend Lori Mauser from Carbon 180, she has a quote. Uh, you know, we don't need any more doom and gloom. You know, we should look at this as more of a doom and boom opportunity, where we can see opportunities and creating new jobs and new economies, creating a new way of living. Um, and I'm, I feel like the organizations that we're working with and that we want to work with are creating those solutions that can provide those, um, uh, that, that new way of living, the, the different lifestyle. Um, so I, I feel like 
we're kind of seeing a shift in the amount of um, organizations taking a more positive outlook on this. I mean, even just the, you know, Sarah and I were talking about this a couple of weeks ago with another friend of ours about the, what is it, Sarah, the Cli-Fi? Um, Hope, Hope Punk. Hope Punk, Cli-Fi, sober, Solar Punk, like just this, this, uh, this new writing genre and illustrations that highlight more positive outlooks of the world if we were to solve or address climate. Um, so I feel like there's, like, yeah, no more doom and gloom conversation. We've had that for many, many years, and that doesn't progress anywhere. That doesn't move It doesn't forward. inspire anybody. It doesn't inspire, exactly. And so it's been really interesting seeing this right now uh, as we speak, sh- seeing this shift in terms of, um, you know, instead of glass half empty, glass half full. So... Yeah, totally. You know, and I'm really glad, you know, there's, you know, there's people like you who are getting involved and bringing, bringing your sort of like creative talents to this area because a lot of the most hopeful stories are locked up in engineering companies, you know, in labs, in warehouses, you know, and oftentimes I feel like these groups, um, they don't sort of even realize what stories they're sitting on. Mm-hmm. You know, they're doing amazing, world-changing work. And of course, they're engineers. They're not storytellers. They're just focusing on the engineering. Um, but if we can get more collaborative projects going, I think we can really sort of, we can bring the excitement that we feel, you know, because we, we're familiar with these companies and now we're super excited about what they can achieve. Right. I think we can get that out there in the world and, and, and sort of start to change the debate about climate. Yeah. Almost yeah, say climate totally. change, our climate crisis. Our climate crisis. Our climate yeah. crisis. And Jim, if people want to follow up with you after listening to this, what's the best way to get in touch with you? Uh, the best way is probably just to send me an email at uh, jg at jimgiles.net. So that's J-I-M-G-I-L-E-S.net. Awesome. awesome. Yeah, and we'll, we'll include that in the uh, the show notes. Uh, Jim, this was fun, man. Yeah, thanks so much for having me on. Appreciate your time and uh, keep up the good work. And uh, yeah, appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. If you are one of the bold rebels building a product that addresses our climate crisis, we can help you set yourself apart and amplify your climate impact. You can learn more about us at thedetermined.co. Yeah, thanks for listening. If you know anyone who might enjoy this podcast, feel free to share.